If you would this morning, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel, and we'll start reading in chapter 7 at verse 1 and go through 11 and then pick up verse 16. Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I, have, I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed, by no, be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies... Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And then skip down to 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Bless now this reading of your word and the preaching of your word and our response to it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime we have guests over, which we do quite often it seems, and we will very soon with my brother and them coming in, uh, one thing that Jessica always thinks of first is to make sure that the house is clean. That's not the first thing I think of, you know. Uh, it's really, I rarely think of that, actually. Um, but she wants to, when somebody comes in, have a clean house. Be prepared. You know, uh, it's not a good idea if I just all of a sudden said, hey, you want to come over today and join us without giving her any time for preparation. She likes to prepare. She likes to be ready. She likes for the house to be clean. Um, and Advent is a time of preparation. You know, it's a good thing that Jessica and I aren't alike because 
you know, the house would be a disaster if you came over and it was just me. Um, and I wouldn't really prepare you any goodies or anything of that nature either. <clears throat> More than likely, I would just think, you know, being invited over would be good enough. But she apparently doesn't think that way, and I'm glad for that, and so are you. Um, and Advent is a time of preparation. It's why we've <clears throat> taken now four Sundays to prepare our hearts for next Sunday, which is Christ's coming. We need special days in our lives. This is why we celebrate anniversaries. This is why we celebrate birthdays. It's why we set aside these days and prepare for them and do something special on that day. And yes, we have an anniversary here among us today. Congratulations. I know it's been rough, but no. <laughs> and you know, Advent is a special time. It really is. It's maybe, some of your, maybe for some of you, it's your favorite time of the year. Um, and I want us again to think about what it means to prepare to meet Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel is this. God has prepared to meet with us. He prepared someone before the very foundation of the world was created. So before time, before space, He prepared to meet with us. To be with us. He likes us. <laughs> this section of Scripture in the Old Testament may seem odd at first as we read through it that it would be an Advent reading. But in fact, all of our Scripture readings this morning, save the one from Romans, mention David, who is mentioned here. And this is a very significant point in the second book of Samuel. This is really the climax of this book, and if you look at First and Second Samuel as a whole, this is a pinnacle point where God makes a covenant with David. This is the fourth covenant that God has made. The first one was with Noah, the second one with Abraham, the third with Moses, and now with David. And what He promises David is a great name. Again, to make him famous, just like He said with Abraham. Also a lineage or a family. Also, He promises him a kingdom that will last forever and a son which is going to be significant. The passage moves very simply David's thought, which is simply this. He says, hey God, look, um, man, I'm, I'm really enjoying the high life here. I don't have any enemies. I mean, we're an established nation. I'm sitting in a palace. Uh, maybe we could translate the cedar part to say, I'm in a palace of gold or marble. I'm living it. Nobody else has a marble house. But me. So what about your house, God? <laughs> uh, you're, you're still kind of over here in a tent? What's up with that? Why, why in the world am I living high over here uh, on the best of what this world has to offer and yet your dwelling is in a tent? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build you a house, God. That's what I'm going to do. And Nathan says, you know what, man? That's a great idea, David. I'm glad you remembered God in this time when most people would forget God when you're, you know, full, when you're laid up in your house, reclined, nothing to worry about. Most people forget God, whereas David remembers God. And Nathan says, you know what? 
as a good board member would if someone really rich said, hey, I want to build up a church, you know? We'd, man, we'd jump at that. We'd be drooling over that. Um, if somebody with means wanted to help build a place for God, to meet with God. And Nathan says, hey, whatever's in your heart, David, you just do it, buddy. And then God says, well, hang on. You know, you're not going to include me. I mean, Nathan, you're a prophet of mine. And Nathan was wrong. It's interesting here. He's wrong. He, he, he says this, and that same night, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I don't need you to build me a house. You think you can tell me what to do or where to be? Or I haven't lived in a house. I don't have a place, a dwelling, temple, nothing. No. Tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Not what you're going to do, but what I'm going to do. And that is, I'm going to build you a house, David. Now, house here is significant. It's mentioned 15 times in this short chapter. That's significant. Anytime, again, when you're reading the Bible, that you come across something 15 times uh, in what? 29 verses. Wow, that's significant. House is mentioned in four different ways also here. So, if you read from the NIV, you're going to get family rather than house. But in fact, the Hebrew word here is house. He mentions it as a royal palace. In other words, David says, hey, look, I've got a nice royal house. So now I want to build a house, not a royal palace, but instead a temple for you, God. And then God turns around and says, no, 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 you're not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to build a house for you, which is not a palace or a temple, but rather a name, a family. A royal dynasty, even, that will last forever. Which the term forever is mentioned eight times as well here. And in God's covenant, He always mentions this, this thing of forever. Um, now, we do this too as humans. You know, When we get married, we promise forever. The sad thing is, we don't always come through on our end. Whereas God promises to always be faithful. I like to say it, as the Marines say it, semper fi. Semper fidelis, which means always faithful in Latin. It just sounds better. Semper fi, live or die. You know. David has a great thought here. And Nathan agrees with him. But God has a deeper, longer extended Seeing thought, which is, no, no, I'm not looking just to impress people now because you build me some temple. A lot of times we come to God and we think, you know what, God, here's what I'm going to do. Here, I've got a great idea I'm going to do for you. And God says, well, that may be a good idea, but I've got a better idea. <laughs> you know, growing up, my dad um, was always right. Well, come think of it, he still is. <laughs> at least according to him, uh, if you know him. And according to me, I'm typically always right as well. So, um, <laughs> interesting how that works out, isn't it? <laughs> Especially when two people really think they're right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, living under his shadow is an interesting thing. And if you've ever been around me, I, um, I actually, it's interesting, I actually act differently when I'm around him. I, you know, of course, it's part of it's respect. Um, you respect your dad. And, and, um, you know, coming out of the house 
you all have to fly on your own. I mean, it's, it's part of life. Uh, getting out from under the tutelage or the protection of your family and doing your own thing and starting a family. Um, and it's fascinating here. David, he's been established by God already. And yet God wants to do something even further, even deeper in than he can ever imagine. And it's just like, a, you know, my dad, I would, I would say sometimes, hey, you know, I got this idea. And then he would shoot it down and I'd be distraught. Man, he always has something negative to say. I mean, that's what I always say with him, which, you know, sadly, Jessica has to live with now forever because that's the same way I am. I'm very, you know, you give me an idea, I'm going to be able to see very quickly the negative part of that idea. I'm not a very positive person when it comes to that kind of thing, which is why typically people call Jessica with an idea rather than me. Um, which is why I bring my ideas to her instead of myself. You know, I destroy them. <laughs> and so I would think up something to say, Dad, look, you know, what if we did this? And then he would just shoot it down. And I, Man, you know. But most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, he was correct. He'd lived life. How much more has God understood about this life than we? We come to God with our plans, we come to God with our thoughts. And if we don't stop to listen and correct ourselves like Nathan does, then we're going to find ourselves living life subpar. We're not going to be making the cut. We're not going to be going as deep as he wants us to, being blessed as he wants us to. But instead, Nathan, even though he's wrong here, he jumps out there and says something and then corrects himself and comes back to David and says, look, you know, actually, God has something else in mind. That is, He wants to build you a house. Which is fascinating here, the, the oscillation back and forth between, hey, I want to build you a house. Well, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to build you a house. And here's what this house is going to look like. And it's going to last forever. I'm going to give you a son, David. This son, he says... will build my name. Look at chapter 7. Thirteen, He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. I will be to Him a father, and He shall be to me a son. Now, is He talking about Solomon? Probably. But is he talking about more than Solomon? Probably. This often happens with Jesus when he starts prophesying. Is he talking about now the disciples are thinking? Yes. But is he talking about down the road too? Yes. It's what, that, it's what we call in, in looking at prophecy, and it happens all the time, even with, even with Isaiah, Ezekiel, all these guys, is when you're looking at a telescope, you're looking way down the road. And you see events that are happening right in front of you, just a couple of feet in front of you, but also you see things that are way out there and you're describing both at the same time. And so is he talking about Solomon? The fact that he's going to build a house? Yes. But is he talking about something deeper? He absolutely is. Jesus is said to be the son of David. springing out of the root of Jesse, which is David's father. 
I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But, notice this, my steadfast love or my love that never ends, never fails, will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance... With all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Now notice this. Because I'm going to use house here in, again, three different ways. David says, I want to build a temple for you. I want to build a place for you to dwell in, a house. Which is not uncommon. Kings in the ancient Near East, kings in what we call now the Middle East, would have often for their God, especially if they had won a war in the name of a God, They would have built a temple for that God. A place of dwelling to establish that God's dominance, power, cult. So it's not unusual. So he says, I'm going to build you a house, God. I want to do something for you. And God says, no, I'm going to do something for you. And it's not going to be made material. But instead, it's your lineage, your name, your kingdom. And it's going to last forever. And I'm going to give you a son down the line that he himself is going to be the house of God. It's fascinating to think about why God became human. As I said before, last Sunday, it's the highest thought in human history. God becomes A baby, a child, a boy, a man that works with his hands. Someone who dies just like we all will. He's fully human. Why? Why 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 that way? Why not wave a wand? Why not speak a word as he did with creation? The church has unanimously come back theologically and said, the only thing we can think of is He wants to be with us. He could do it from a distance. He could have made a phone call. He could have shot a text message. But instead, He came Himself. Interrupted our life. That's what happens when you come to visit. Interrupt somebody's life. It's about to happen to most of you. Kids go, you thought this was chaotic? Come to my house in about a week. Be twice the fun. Twice the noise. Twice the sleeping arrangements. Interrupts our life. God interrupts our life to come and knock on the door. He wants to visit. He wants to be with us. And He's chosen to be with us. The church says that's the only thing we can think of. He likes us. That It was His purpose from the beginning to be with us. He never had a plan B. It wasn't like, oh, here's the original plan. Oh, man, they failed that one. Plan B. This was always plan A, was to be with us. (laughs) What a thought.
And this one that comes is the house of God because He's God Himself. And He has prepared in Mary a body that is a dwelling place for God. Which means the good news is this. He can dwell in you in a human life. God. And He lays down that body, that house. We would think He would want to save that life. To build a great temple. But instead He comes very humbly. Just as Mary did. Just as Rachel has pointed out this morning. He doesn't come pompously. It's not printed in the papers. There's no news flash. There's no helicopters flying around, dragging signs telling that he was born. No. He comes very humbly. <laughs> a couple sheep, a couple oxen, a couple shepherds, garbage men. Nobody special. We're not even giving them names. You wouldn't have known them had you even lived in the area. He comes to those people. He comes to my life. He comes to your life. And this is why we prepare. We must prepare. He's coming to visit. He's coming to meet with you, to interrupt your life. Get busy preparing. I mean, you should see it when Jessica kicks into fifth gear. She starts throwing stuff everywhere, hiding things places. I mean, we don't find it till three months down the road. I pull out a drawer and I'm thinking, why would this go in here? Well, it's because Christopher was coming over. That's why. And so now it's lost for three months. So how do we prepare for God? Well, notice David's preparation. I won't read it, but instead I'll summarize this morning. 18 through 29 gives us how David responds to what God has said to him. God says, basically, look, I'm coming down there. I'm going to have, I'm going to be the house. I don't need you to build a house. I'm going to build a house. It's going to be my son. And he's going to lay that house down, lay that dwelling place down, and be the one who we all come under, who we all come to for salvation. And then he says, here's the way he responds. He sits before the Lord. This season, just stop. Just stop for five minutes today and think about what God has done. It'd be a good exercise then to take the next five minutes and think about what all your spouse has done. I treat Jessica better when I actually sit down for five minutes and think about what she's done. Think about how she makes my life better. You do the same with God. Think about what He's done for you. You may not understand it all. I don't understand why she does all of what she does for me. But my response is love. My response is a giving heart. A better spirit attitude. David sits before the Lord and then he basically says this, Who am I? Who am I that God would love me? That God would choose me, my family. I mean, look at them. We're nothing special, and yet He's chosen you. It's the good news of the gospel. 
God in Christ has chosen to be with you. And then David says, man, this, you know, this is amazing to me, but it's nothing for you. Nothing's imp- Again, go back to the reading uh, this morning. Chris read from Luke. It's nothing for God. Nothing's impossible for God. Barren wound, nothing. There you go. Virginal conception, there you go. No big deal. You see, David then says, you know what, God, you've always connected yourself to us. You connect yourself in Israel and you'll connect yourself in your son, Jesus Christ. Israel's the chosen one to share to the whole world what you've done. And Jesus Christ is the chosen one, ultimately, the fulfillment of Israel and of the nations. Everyone will come to him. Everyone, as we said last week, will respond to Jesus in some way. And then David asked that God bless his family. You see, the good news of the gospel is this God hasn't just written down on paper what he wants for us, he hasn't just given us his word on paper. I mean, It would be odd to us to go to a wedding and they never say anything to each other in person, but instead are in separate rooms and they just exchange legal documents. That would be odd. Now, are there legal documents included in a marriage? Absolutely. And is there a legal document included in our marriage? Absolutely. The Word of God. But, He comes in the flesh to say, I love you. I want you. I want to be with you. It's odd to relate to a ghost. But he's a person. He's a human. He became fully human and yet fully remained God. It's the good news of the gospel. Have you remembered God? Have you sat down and just taken some time to really remember Jesus? Have you prepared to meet Him? Have you prepared your children? Are we allowing Him to build something in our life. What is He building? What are you building? Your kingdom or His? His Son has come. And His kingdom has already been established. And this morning you can submit to the true King of this world. It's always a sad realization to realize it's not you. It's not me. There is a true king. A true ruler. 
May your response this morning be the response of David. One of gratitude. One of faith. One of obedience. This morning I asked Rachel just to come and play through a song quietly and without music. I mean, sorry, without words. Just music. To allow us some time to pause before God in this sacred place that we've designated as a place of worship. If you would, stand with me. If you want to come here to the altar, it's open. It doesn't look like most altars, but that's alright. It's a makeshift altar. You can kneel before God, thank Him, praise Him, repent before Him, But may your response be one of repentance and faith this morning, just as David's was. Realizing who we are and who God is and what He's asking from us. Amen.